Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And it goes like this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, and about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed, shaken when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem was. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is it the Messiah is supposed to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler, a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, because he had evil in his heart. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and may worship him too. And this interview, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've learned that the reason they brought gold was because they came to anoint him king. It was a gift for king. Frankincense was a, a sense that they would, they would burn. It is a, a sense of worship to God. So they brought frankincense because they came to worship him. So the first week we talked about they came to ordain him king. They, and then last week was they came to worship him. And then this week we're going to talk to the real reason Jesus came. And they brought myrrh. Myrrh was an embalming oil of the day. Ancient Egypt, Egyptians would take myrrh and they would, they would rub, it, rub it over the corpse to help preserve it and so they would keep it from stinking. And so they came and they brought him myrrh, which was significant of the reason why Jesus came. And that significance was he came to die. We talked about why they are seeking him and what are you seeking this Christmas season? And how our level of joy at Christmas is directly related to what it is we seek. If we seek gifts, we'll find our joy in gifts. If we, we seek gift cards or, or saltgrass cards, we'll find our joy at saltgrass. If uh, we seek a remote control car as a little boy, we're going to find our joy in our remote control car. Because we find our joy in what we seek and all those things pass away and all those things break and all those things get eaten and are gone forever but there's one thing that never passes away there's one thing that never breaks there's one thing that works forever and that's the love of Christ and so if you're seeking the right thing in this Christmas season your joy will be eternal not just monumental and so we've been talking about all these things over the last couple of weeks and where do you look to find your joy. Where do you look to find him? The wise men looked where they thought a king should be born. They, they went straight to the palace and they went right to the city of 
where they thought the king would be born, but Jesus wasn't born where they thought he'd be born, where a king should have been born. Instead, Jesus was born in the middle of a field in a manger. Why was he born in the middle of the field? Why was he born in a manger? Because all lambs are born in fields. All lambs are are born in a manger. And he was born the spotless lamb for each and every one of us. Then we talked about last week, what do you give? Are you giving of yourself this Christmas season? Are you helping others? You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a lot of money. I'm not talking about that. You have something that you can give someone which will make them never thirst or seek again. You have eternal life. You have Jesus, the real reason for the season. So much more than just a gift. So they followed the star. Our whole series is following the star. They followed the star to find the lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Luke 2, 8 through 11, uh, it says this, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the shepherds and the wise men today. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Can you imagine what that looked like? You're in the middle of the field, keeping your sheep, probably a pretty boring job unless there's a wolf or a lion or something or a bear or something about to eat your sheep it's pretty probably mundane sheep are doing what they do best they're eating and other things and byproduct of eating and uh they're they're just in the middle of the field and they're with their sheep and then all of a sudden what what would that be like you're just at the barn rick or you're 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 at home in your backyard then all of a sudden, an angel appears. And I believe that Hallmark has what an angel looks like all wrong. I believe a, an angel is so much more than what we make it out to be on TV. It's not manly looking at all. I, I think there's, they're, they're, they talk about all the wings and how it covers their feet and their body and their, their face and, and, and the wings and the, the magnitude of what it would look like and the majesty that would blow a bald eagle away of what an angel looks like. and All of a sudden, there's this magnificent angel that would, that would cry, holy, holy, holy is him that sits on the throne, standing before them. And this angel in all of his glory is standing there. there and it doesn't say the angel's glory shone above, around them. It says his glory shone around them. The glory of God. So all of a sudden, The same glory that was in the bush that Moses saw is shining, and they're terrified. They're scared. He's like, well, I'm scared, Pastor. Yeah, right. Yeah, you would. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then we get to our basis today. Our theory of what the whole day is. They, they, they tell us right up front what Jesus came for. Today, a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for who? For you in the city of David. Why did he come? 
for you. Why did he come? For me. He knew I needed it. He knew you needed him. That's why he came. Jesus came just for you, Holden. Just for you. Just for you, Andy. Just for you, Sharon. Just for you, Tater Salad. Just for you. That's, that's my nickname for Janda, Tater Salad. It's, there's a long story, and I can't share it right now, but I'll, if you come ask me in private, I'll tell you why I call her Tater But he came just for you. Who's the first person the angels appeared to? The shepherds. They're, they're just ordinary guys. There's nothing extraordinary about a shepherd. They're not tax collectors. They're not kings. They're not rulers of the day. They rule sheep, and that's it. My grandfather used to have a saying. The only thing dumber than a sheep is those people who would own one. That's what my grandpa used to say. He hated sheep. He had goats. He said, my goats are a lot smarter than a sheep. He said, I had sheep. I'll never do that again. I was dumb. He said, they don't listen to none you say. And, and, and so, so they're just ordinary guys dealing with a difficult flock. Probably ain't listening to what they have to say that night. Just ordinary people dealing with just dumb, ordinary tasks of the day. Just ordinary stuff they could probably just about do in their sleep. That's who Jesus came for. Just the ordinary guy, just like me. The ordinary gal, just like you. That's who Jesus came for. Ordinary people. And he met them in an ordinary place at an ordinary time. And he'll meet you right where you're at. That's what he came for. Verse 12 says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Just a plain manger. He came to an ordinary, well, actually an unordinary place. Like I said a couple weeks ago, his first smell was manure. His first smell was the crud of this world because he came just for ordinary people who have ordinary problems, who need need an extraordinary God who would come to an ordinary place just for me and just for you. So I want to ask you the question today. Do you see the gift that God gave us and why he has come? The birth of Jesus is about God coming to us where we are in our everyday lives. Just as the angel said, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news. In other words, Jesus was all about God meeting us in our pain and our loneliness, our frustration and our anger, our Monday, our Wednesday, our Friday, our Saturday, our Sunday, our every day of the week. It was about God wanting to be a part of our everyday lives. He said, I will come to where you are. And I will pay the price for everything that you have ever done. That's who Jesus was. That's why he came. He came. In fact, in, new, in the New King, King James Version, it says, I bring to you tidings of great joys, what the angel says. That word tidings means uh, you, 
eugelazo, which is evangelize, is where we get our word evangelize from, which means to bring good news, to declare, to preach, to evangelize the gospel. In other words, I'm bringing you the incarnate word of God in person. That's what the angel's saying. I'm bringing you the Word of God in person, in human form, with great joy. That's what I'm bringing you today. That's what the angel is telling the shepherds. The Word of God is coming. He is here. The worship. He's bringing great joy. This time that we call Christmas, For not everybody is joyful. For lots of people, there's pain. For one young lady, her husband went to be the Lord, one of our coaches this past week. It's going to be a hard season for her for years to come. Not every Christmas for every person is joyous and grateful. And and not every, every season of holiday is great for every person in this world. It can be a, a, a painful place. It can be a a painful time. But the angel says, in your pain, in your ordinary, everyday things that are going on, I bring you the Word of God. I bring you joy. Only God can do that. It takes a real miracle for somebody to be able to stand. And I watch this lady with all of, of the grace of God upon her life, like me and my boys were praying for her for, stand there and love on kids as they walked by and saw their coach and said, he loved you. He loved, to, he loved to coach you. He loved to be a part of football with you, just with a smile on her face. You don't do that without the grace of God on your life. That, that doesn't happen without, without the goodness of of God. Only Jesus brings exceeding joy, exceeding fullness to our lives. So my first point was he came for you. Second is he came to serve you. Jesus came to serve you. In fact, in Mark 10, 45, it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God came here just for you to pay a ransom. What's a ransom? It's what you pay for a hostage, isn't it? We've all been hostages to our sin. We've been hostages to the ways that we, we live our life. We've been hostages to the, to the enemy who's, who's played havoc upon our lives and, and, and made stuff just appear in our lives and things happen in our lives that shouldn't be happening. And Jesus said, I came just for you to resolve those things, to wipe those things away, to give you a better life. I came to pay a ransom for you. That's what he did. He came to serve us and to pay a ransom. He came to to battle our war for us and to win it so we didn't have to fight it. That's why he came. Uh, I'll never forget, uh, I was about, about 12 years old and we're at home and we're in this nice neighborhood in Ireland, and we have this really nice house, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, we're just sitting there watching TV and goofing off, me and my sister and my dad, and my sister went upstairs to use the restroom or something, and all of a sudden, we hear, we hear, and just, it's loud. Somebody's mad at the door, you know, it's not the, 
It's the, I don't want to hurt my knuckles, but it's the bang, 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 bang. I'm like, my goodness, what is that? And this guy comes up, guy's at the door, and my dad opens the door, and he's just fuming mad. He goes, he goes, Buster, he said, I want to see your son, Chris. And I said, okay, what, what's going on? Uh, my son's got two black eyes, and, and he beat up my son, Chris. And I mean, he beat up my son, Billy, and I, I want to see your son, Chris, that did this to my son, Billy. And I, I don't appreciate it. And my dad's... Uh, Okay, you you, can, you really want to see him, I'll go get him. Hey, Christine, come down here. Here come. Now, my sister, I taught her how to ride a bike. I taught her how to fight. I taught her how to ride a four-wheeler. And we went mudding every day after school. And uh, she was a little tomboyish. But here come Christine down the stairs. And about that time, the look on his face just changed. He said, Buster, we have no problems. He left. <laughs> what do you say? You, you, your son just got beat up by a girl. You know, there's no words for a dad. There, there's no words at all. Yet that happens to us every day. We get, we get beat up by a toothless enemy that really has no bite in the game, and he's messing with us over and over again, and he's, he's messing with us and constantly doing stuff, but yet he has no authority but except for the authority we give him. And he's messing with us. Jesus said, I came to fix this problem. I came to ransom your problems. I came to ransom you out of being held hostage. I came to give you all authority back. That's what he came for on Christmas morning. He came victorious in a manger. He said, I didn't have to be born in the palace. I know who I am. I don't have an identity crisis. When you, you realize that Jesus doesn't have an identity crisis, when you become his son, you no longer have an identity crisis. You're no longer so-and-so from, from some small town or from the trailer park or from the ghetto or, or from this or from that. There, there's no, well, it's the way I was raised or it's the way this happened in my life. There's none of that no more. Because you instantly become an heir to everything that he has. He said, I've come to fix some things. That's why Jesus came. He came to give you victory. He came to fix all your problems, to pay a price. The devil's shocked when he knocks on your door. And he realizes who your daddy really is. There's something that happened. I can't mess with them no more. They're now a child of the king. He came to suffer so we no longer had to. He came to die so that we could live. He came to be bound so that we could be free. In fact, Luke 4.18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is Jesus reading. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There's something about God's favor on your life. 
He came so that you could have favor. Now, some people don't realize what favor is. I know all about favor. I walk in favor every day. Favor says that you can't afford one truck, but he makes a way when there seems to be no way. I'll never forget, I was an associate pastor in Nederland, and I was looking for me a new truck. I just wanted a truck again, and I'm looking, I never look at new trucks. Let me rephrase. I'm looking for a new, a new truck to me, but a used truck. I decided I've never had a four-door F-150, so I wanted a Ford F-150 four-door, and I wanted four-wheel drive. I was very specific with the Lord about what I wanted. And so I start shopping them, you know, and like when you shop cars, not everything goes your way, and you just can't find none. And all of a sudden, there's just this ad, and I thought it was a joke. It was Later model F-150, four-door, four-wheel drive, red, beautiful truck for like $12,000. Should have been like sixteen or $17,000. So I called the number immediately. I said, hey, this is Ryan. I saw your truck on southeasttexas.com, and, and I'm interested in your truck, and I'd like to look at it if I can. And I said, who is this? I said, Ryan. I said, is this Pastor Ryan? I said, yeah, it's Pastor Ryan. He said, hey, I'm over here by the church. I'll whip in right now. He whips in. He said, Pastor, if you want it, you can have it for $10,000. Because favor ain't fair. It happens every day. I buy stuff for half the price all the time because favor ain't fair. God's favor is upon my life. He came so that you could walk in divine favor. He came that you could walk in divine dominion. You realize that Adam, when he was in the garden, had dominion over everything? Did you ever see the scripture where it, the snake comes up and Eve wasn't afraid of it? Eve wasn't scared of the snake. Why? Because her and Adam had dominion over it. They ruled that snake. And then they gave the snake their dominion away. Jesus came to restore all of that. You ever see a woman that wasn't scared of a snake? She wasn't scared of this. It didn't know where to say she was scared. She listened to it intently. Nowhere was she scared. The deal is, God came to restore all that was set wrong. Everything that was wrong. From the beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's about restoring you and giving what he designed you to be, what he designed you to walk into. He said, I'm going to show up one Christmas morning. I'm going to be born in a manger just like a spotless lamb. And I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to die just for you. So that once again, if you call on my name, you can be saved, you can be set free, you can walk in total peace and love and joy. Now, does everything always go right in my life? No, not everything's perfect. But I can tell you what, it's a lot better with him than without him. And I wouldn't be able to walk through the stuff I walked through unless I had him. God came to quench your thirst and to quench your hunger. John 4.10 says, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well, you would ask me and I would have given you living water. In other words, he's saying, if you just realize who I really am, and you just really realize what I really want to do in your life, and, and you, just, you just realize what I am here for, 
your whole world and your whole perspective in life would change. The woman actually goes on to say, you, sir, don't have a rope or a bucket. How would you get this living water? See, she still don't get it. She's still thinking it's the water down in the bottom of the well. She don't realize there's something more that he wants to give her. The kind of water he wants to drink, she wants, he wants her to drink from, she'll never thirst again. He doesn't just want to quench your thirst one time. He wants to quench your thirst forever. That's why he came. Jesus replied in verse 13, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You ever met that person that's just bubbly? They, they use that term all the time. They're just bubbly. Bobby Woodruff is bubbly. He's just bubbly all the time. And you're like, what's wrong with this guy? It's not what's wrong with this guy. It's what is right with this guy. Why is he always happy? Why does he always have a positive outlook? Because he, know who, he knows who his source is. He knows where his water comes from. It's not just regular water he is drinking. He's not drinking that nasty tap water. He's drinking living water. He probably gets it every morning from a fresh well source. And just drinks it in and drinks it in and drinks it in. You realize that Christmas Day is the day that changed all history. It does. Theologians, everybody believes that. There's no one that denies that everybody operates off our calendar. What is it, B.C. and A.D.? What does that stand for? Before Christ? After death? But most of us would think that would start the day Jesus died. The calendar started the day Jesus was born. Look it up on Wikipedia. The calendar changed the day he was born. There was something, there's something in the hemisphere, something in the atmosphere that was on a hinge, and the hinge changed, and that chapter closed, and a new one began just for you. Something changed on that morning when he was born. A.D. began. His death began the minute he was born because that's the only reason that he came was for you. Whether dating dinosaur bones in B.C. or celebrating your birthday in A.D. Well, some of y'all might celebrate your birthday from B.C. I don't know. <laughs> Cheryl. Uh, <clears throat> There's a clear point in history where everything changes. You know what the problem with our society is? Many of us, many of us are living in an AD world with BC thoughts about Christ. We're living in an AD world with, with BC theology, with, with BC terminology. See, before Christ, BC. Before Christ, it, it was a religious atmosphere. There was do's, there was don'ts, there was this might get you to heaven, this might not. There was, there was no clarity. It, it was you live the best you can, you follow this set of rules, and you do this. But something happened when he was born. Something changed when he was born. It came to a point where a guy who was hanging on a cross next to him looked at him, who was a thief, 
and said, I believe in you. He said, I'll see you tonight in paradise. Something changed where it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. Jesus came for you, and he wipes it all away. He makes you fresh. He makes you new. He makes you worthy. Once again, there's nothing in your life that you could have done that can keep you from this gift that was given on Christmas morning. It's not about I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't date the girls who do. It's not a... (laughs) It's not about I don't see R-rated movies, I don't cuss, I don't wear yoga pants. It might be a sin if I wore yoga pants. (laughs) I'd be sinning to your eyeballs. Some of y'all got visions. I don't even want Christmas dinner now. But... But, but the deal is, it's not about that no more. See, Jesus came and he said, I'll take you just as you are. In fact, I love this verse. Moses is at the burning bush in Exodus 3, 6. And, and he says, who is it that you say you are, God? Who are you? Because I'm about to go back. I'm about to go back to these people and they're going to ask me, who sent you? Who told you this? Who gave this to you? And he said, tell them this. I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. Now, I was expecting this verse to say the God of Israel. See, because Jacob's life changed at some point. He became Israel. He became God's child, God's children. All the children of Israel are from Israel. Jacob at this point in his life where things change. But he says, he said, he didn't say, I'm I'm the I'm the God of Israel. He didn't say that. He said, I'm the God of Jacob. You know, the guy who messed up, the guy who had problems in his life, the guy who didn't always do things right. He said, I'm still his God too. It doesn't matter what you've do and done or where you've gone, he is your God. He came with you in mind just for you. That's what Christmas is about. It's one of the first words the angel said after good news and great joy is that the Savior, yes, the Messiah, is born. Pastor, how do do I know? How how can I be sure that I'm going to heaven and not hell? How how do I know this? Well, Romans 8, 15b through 16 says, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children than heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, Jesus said, When you call on me and you believe in me and you confess your sins before me and you say, Father, save me. There's an adoption process. And not only do you just become a child of God, you become a co-heir with Jesus. All the access Jesus has, you have. All the access that you need is right there. You can go straight to the Father. There's no longer a priest that enters 
enters in with bells on his ankles into a, a holy of holies in a temple that has to go make a sacrifice for you. See, Jesus said, I'm taking all that away. You ain't going to have to make no sacrifice. All you got to do is call on my name, and you shall be saved. That's why he came. He came because he wanted to be with you, and he wants to be with us. There's, there's something that changes between B.C. and A.D. It's no longer, no longer you need someone else to go in between you. You no longer need someone to uh, change for you. You'll need someone to make a sacrifice for you. See, Jesus said, I'm coming to a manger because I'm the spotless lamb. I'm going to make the sacrifice once and for all, just for you. What I find interesting is back in the day, they had the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark were certain things. There was Moses's, y'all know what it was, Aaron's rod, the Ten Commandments. And there was manna. And you think about what was in the ark. The priest, what he would do is he would go in once a year and he would take the sacrifices and he would pour the oil over the mercy seat that was on top of the ark. He'd pour, he'd pour the, the blood over the top of the mercy seat. And it would cover and it would tone all the sin of the children of Israel for one year. For one year, it would cover it. Then they'd have to do it again. But what, the, the stuff in the arcs, what amazes me. Most people think, well, it, it signifies something. Let me tell you what it signified. Aaron's rod, they wouldn't follow Aaron. The manna, they complained about it. The Ten Commandments, Moses broke out of his frustration and his anger with the children of Israel. It was all, in that box was all the major sins of Israel. And God said, when they pour the blood, I'll cover it for one year. But, but here's the beautiful thing. When Jesus was born in that manger, the spotless lamb, and he hung upon that cross, his, oil co- his, his blood covered everything that you would ever do ahead of time. Before you even knew you were going to mess up, he covered you. He said, I'm coming to cover a multitude of sin. I'm coming to set you free. I'm coming to to give you dominion once again. I'm coming to put you in a new place in your life. And I'm coming, just like the angel said, with good tidings and great joy. That's why I'm coming. Matthew one twenty three says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. A.D., he's with us. B.C., we're separate. All of history, a hinge, a change, something happened. There was a great divide. Jesus said, I come to divide all the things, all the problems that you've ever had in your life and wipe them away. And they did. I came to give you unlimited faith. I came to serve you. I came to help you. I came to deliver you. I came to heal you. Most people don't realize Jesus didn't have to go to the whipping post 
He didn't have to go to the whipping, but the cross was enough. But he went to the whipping post. Why? Because by his stripes, he came to heal you. He went through the extra, extra amount of torture just to make sure that everything that you needed in your life was covered. From health to provision to, to sanity to everything that you would ever need. He said, I'm coming one time and I'm going to do it all for you. All you have to do is follow the star. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm serving you. I receive the divine favor and grace that you made away from me. We have a choice. We all know the story. Herod had a choice. Herod heard about the Savior. He knew the prophecy. He even went and got confirmation of where the Messiah should be born. He heard about the star. He asked about the time that the star was started in the sky. When did you first see it? When did you first see the star? I want to know. Why did he want to know so he could kill all the children for that many years back? To make sure he got the one. Because they came to town and said, the king of the Jews. Herod said, that's my title. I'm the king of the Jews. There can't be another one. Out of his own selfishness, out of his own, his own, his own disgust of the man that he was, he denied Jesus. He denied the Messiah. He denied the Savior. But the wise men said, oh, no, we know the story too. And we're going to go find him. And with great joy, they entered in. See, there's a, there, we look at Herod who died a, a horrible death. We look at Herod, Herod who lived a horrible life, was never satisfied, never had nothing good in his life because he made choices. It was about Herod. It wasn't about anyone else. Today we have choices. We can be like Herod or we can be like the wise men and we can follow the star. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace this Christmas season. I thank you that you brought good tidings of great joy. I thank you, Father, that like the angel said, you, your name shall be called Emmanuel because you are with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Romans 10, 9, 10, Father says, if we, we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths and then it goes on to verse 13, everyone who calls upon your name shall be saved, Father. There's someone in this place today that you want to make that choice today to follow the star, to find Jesus. You don't have to search for him like the wise men did because he will meet you right where you're at. He will touch you. He will save you. He will heal you. He will set you on a new course. He'll put your feet on solid ground, on a solid rock.